Today's message is a continuation of last week's message. Okay? So, if you were here for the sincere heart uh, last week, you all have sincere hearts. Yes? Put your hand up if you have a sincere heart. Very good, very good. For those of you who didn't put up your hand, may God's grace and mercy be upon you. <laughs> because today you will need it. Okay, you today hold your heart and say, God, help me as I hear this word. Put your hand on your heart as you feel like we need to do it. Say, God, please have mercy on me. God, I need your grace because I love transformation. No, no, say love, love, love transformation. <laughs> Say, God, into your hands, I surrender my heart. I will not get offended. I will not feel condemned. But in fact, I will feel joy. <laughs> the joy of the Lord will be my strength. Amen. 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 You're such a phenomenal church, you know. I'm telling you, it's a dream. Any pastor's dream to pastor a church like you. You are the most beautiful church ever. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Sincere heart. We believe by faith that we have access into the presence of God through the blood and through the body. And God made a way through Jesus for us to be in his presence, but God did not make a way out of his presence. Okay? Whether you believe it or not, if you believe Jesus has saved you, you are now in the presence of God. You don't need worship to get in. Do you understand? This is why I believe we are such a progressive move of God is that we don't need worship. We don't need a song but we love the song because we are in the presence you, you understand we, we don't need come into your presence Lord come 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 no 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 that's not how you behave with your family at a dinner table I come to the dinner table in the name of Jesus no you don't do stuff like that right huh you just come and sit you know that there's food on the table and it's going to be full, good. Right? You, you, don't, you don't say, in the name of Jesus, mother, can I come into the kitchen? No, you don't do stuff like that, right? So why do we pretend with God? Father. <laughs> See, this is why I'm saying you need to understand that we're progressive. In the sense, we've progressed from Father into your, into your hand I come. Your Father, in the name of Jesus, I come, I come, I come. No, we have come. The Bible says that we have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. So while you're there, what do you do? Good question. No? You don't go Father in the name of Jesus. No, no, no. You talk like a father and a son. You talk like a father and a daughter. You talk like a, like a father and a child. You speak to him and he speaks to you. You sit down in heavenly places and you have very heavenly discussions. 
Do you understand? Our, our, our walk with God is a little different. We don't do what other churches do, although I'm happy for them. But this church is a little different. There's a, there's a level of maturing and maturity in the way we communicate. We don't sing songs. These lyrics really describe who we're looking at. They really describe our identity. Wow. We're not waiting to be defined. <laughs> that, those lines are a confirmation of our definition. All right, all right, all right. I can see that you're ready for the word. Brilliant, brilliant. So pure conscience. And I was, uh, Kelsey and I were with Pastor Neil and Andy Savi, who are spiritual parents, on Thursday. And we were just talking, sharing testimonies and talking about uh, the word and uh, I was sharing with him the prophetic word and and also the word on the sincere heart and he gave me a description of the sincere heart that literally laid a foundation uh, for today's message and so this this is so I would say sort of part two of sincere heart but different title okay I'm a little more creative than that so he gave me a, he gave me a description from the Latin word uh, of, of, of the word sincere, okay? And I, I don't, don't ask me what it means. I mean, don't ask me what it is, but I'll tell you what it means. He gave me the description of sincerity, okay? He said, a sincere heart is, is like a person who goes to buy a glass. Let's say this glass of water right now, it's, it's made of glass and... Um, I think I can drink. Mm. Lovely. When you, when you go to buy this glass in the market and you, you look at the glass under regular light, it just doesn't reveal any of its flaws. Do you understand? It doesn't reveal any of the flaws. Unless you take it and put it up into the light. That's when you start seeing the cracks. See the fingerprints, scratches. And a sincere heart, a person who has a sincere heart is very much like that. They take their heart and they lift it up into the light of God's love. And in the light of God's love, his light begins to shine on your heart and it, you begin to see, you begin to see the true state of your heart. Do you understand? You see all the flaws, see all the scratches, see all the stab marks, see all the hurt and the pain and all the wounds and the, everything. You see all of it. But a sincere heart says, God, I don't know what to do with it. A sincere heart says, I acknowledge that you have the power to do something about my heart. Do you understand? This is his definition of sincerity. And I, and I, I heard it and I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. I need to preach on it. I'm glad you heard that. Most times, we're too scared to allow our hearts to be revealed. Do you know why? Because we love perfection. We love strength. We love the good side. 
Nobody loves brokenness. Nobody loves imperfection. Nobody likes to see it. Nobody wants to deal with it. That's a, put my best foot forward. I want everybody to see only the good side of me. Why is because I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared that if they see me for who I really am, I don't think that they will treat me the way I should be treated. So the problem is you're in the wrong atmosphere with the wrong people expecting the wrong results. But if you're with the right people, you have makeup, you don't have makeup. You're fat, you're thin. Your t-shirt has a hole, your socks has a hole. It doesn't really matter. Your armpits smell, are they bad or good? <laughs> You're laughing, huh? What matters is, am I around the right people who accept me for who I am? Because if you are, then you won't worry about what people see. You would allow them to tell you, hey man, your armpits smell, please go have a bath. Dude, please wash your feet. Chew gum, whatever it is. See, the problem with us is that we can't handle the truth. So God, the Bible says in Psalm 34 that he, he is close to the brokenhearted and he does not reject the one who has a contrite heart. So today the title of my sermon, since you're asking me so much, and your faith is like, wow, you're falling, almost falling off the chair. The, the title of my sermon is A Broken and a Contrite Heart. We're on, we're, we've been talking about this, about the heart over the last two weeks because, man, the promises that God has given us is beyond what we can imagine. I don't think a church has had those kind of promises given to them. And if we are to experience these promises in our life, your heart has to be in the right place. Your heart has to be sincere, but at the same time, your heart needs to be broken and contrite. See, people don't like the word brokenness. Becoming very quiet. You hoped that it was such an encouraging message today. I came here to hear something that tickles my ears. Let me tell you something. That if you understand what the joy of salvation means, you will allow your heart to be broken every minute of the day. So since you're so enthusiastic, let's go to Psalm 51. <laughs> In a season where we are, we've been given such beautiful promises, we have to really position our heart in humility and, and, and really submission before God because... We've got to say, God, I don't want to miss out on experiencing your blessing. See, the, the issue here is that God has blessed us. He has given us a word that is unlike any other word. And all of us have received that word. But the, but the, but the issue here is that word is attracted to the Christ in you. Do you understand? That word, that blessing knows that if it comes to you, only the Christ will be able to take that blessing and multiply it. 
Do you understand the, 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 the steward, the servant that was given the talent, he took the talent and out of fear, come on man, out of fear of what the master might say and do, he took the talent and he hid it, not on his feet, but you know, on the ground. He hid it and the master came to him and said, you are not faithful. You are not faithful. Why? It's because you entertained, you allowed fear to define your choice. I think I'm speaking to the right people. When you allow fear to define your choice, you displease God. And you, that blessing that is on your life is on hold until your heart is in the right place. See, I've, I've stayed, you know, we, we really, usually every year we get right into the prophetic word and we experience it and we walk and we teach the prophetic word throughout the year and we experience the prophetic word. But this year the Lord is saying, I need my people to understand that I look at their heart. He doesn't look at your perfection. He doesn't look at how awesome your Facebook pictures are. He doesn't, act, have you ever noticed that God never liked your Facebook page? <laughs> not a picture, not a picture of any human being on the planet he's ever pressed like to. Because he goes beyond the picture. He goes into the heart and he sees that the heart is not where it is supposed to be. So since you are this in love with the message today, Psalm 51. We're gonna read through a couple of verses. We're gonna jump a couple of them because I have a point to make today. First one, verse one. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender Mercies. Just look at me for one second. No, maybe a little more than that. You need to understand that in the presence of God, his attitude towards you is that he is loving. His love is kind. His love is not fierce. His love is kind. It's loving kindness. Okay, so he's being kind to you. All right? According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of tender mercies. Oh my gosh. I don't want you to feel condemned in this message because God is, this is his tender mercies coming towards you. He wants so, he wants you to so experience the blessing of the prophetic word that he has given that, that he just like, but I, but he, he does not like sin. He does not tolerate sin. So until you deal with the heart, he'll keep dealing with this. Do you understand? Verse two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Hmm, that's a message in itself. Verse six, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Verse seven, purge me with a hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me 
and I will be whiter than snow. Let's go to verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So you know that being broken and contrite are two qualities that makes you attractive to God. Not your perfume, not how well you dress, not how well you speak, not your job, not your position. Brokenness and being contrite. We live in a society where it celebrates strength. We follow a man who is strong. We follow a woman who is strong. Have you ever heard a parent that raises up their children by saying, child, you will be a follower all your life. I'm raising you up to be a follower. Have you heard? No. Every parent's desire is for their child to be a leader. But they come into an environment like church and they follow a leader. You go to the office and you're not the boss. <laughs> I know your parents set you up. I know you're really disappointed. See, there's a frustration for us. I need to be on the top, but you don't know where the top is. Because when you reach the top, there's another top that you need to reach. Oh, so now I will buy Rolex watch. And when you buy Rolex watch, then you look at somebody else, they have Panerai. I need to buy Panerai. Buy Panerai watch. And then you look at somebody else, you're on the plane now. Oh, Audi Mars. Let me buy that watch. And then you see the guy getting in out of the plane and then he's getting into his plane. What? How did that happen? And then you want your plane. And then you want your, your Maserati. And you want your Bentley. And you want your... The list goes on. See, you need to understand, everybody is looking to reach the top because everybody thinks the top is where your strength is. And you think that that's where God wants you to be. No, no. God has already taken you to the top. You're already seated in heavenly places with Christ. You're ruling and reigning. So where you are on the earth, it defines now, it completely changes your purpose in life. Because now you're a steward of what you have inherited. Yeah. You're not just sitting, waiting to get to the boss, to, become, to take the boss's seat. Now you're looking at, at a person who has received a mandate to change the mindset of the boss. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you understand? Let me tell you something. A leader without followers is not a leader. Do you understand? So if you look behind you and you see how many people following you, if you have people following you, you're a leader. If you're not following, you're following. If your people are not following you, you're following somebody. Do you understand? See, we've been set up in such a way to, uh, our systems have been wired that if we're a follower, we're a disappointment. No, no. We're all followers of Christ. It's okay. It's, it's prestigious to be a follower. It's a prestigious to be a servant. It's prestigious to be, to be somebody who is being transformed into the image and likeness. Let me tell you something. A servant, a servant becomes a son. A son is transformed into the image and likeness of the son. Do you understand? You will never always be a servant. You are always on a, on a, on a trajectory. You're on a progressive move to become the son. If you want to know what strength looks like, Jesus. If you want to present your best self to the world, present Jesus. You want to present your best photograph on Facebook, present Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't look at your flaws. He looks at your heart. And so today we're going to deal with the heart. A different side of the heart. You okay? Super excited? You love it? Awesome. So a contrite heart, are you ready? Definition. A contrite heart is a heart that is broken to pieces. Wow. I love it. Your inner man has been crushed with the sense of guilt because the condition of your heart is exposed to you when it is compared to his heart. Broken and a contrite heart. We need to understand that when we have a sincere heart before God, we come before him voluntarily, of course, and we, we submit our heart to him and in his light, we allow the light of the Lord to, to, to reveal not only our heart, but also the, his heart. In the presence of God, God wants to reveal Jesus to you so that you can deal with your heart. See, everybody preaches, brother, deal with your heart. The issue is with your heart. But how would you deal with your heart if you don't know what to deal with? If you don't know what to deal with, it means that Christ hasn't been revealed to you. Because the standard now, that's the next level, the standard is Christ. So if you go to God with your heart and you say, God, this is my heart. I lay it at your feet. And no matter what you've done in the past, it doesn't matter. No matter what you're doing currently, also it doesn't matter. Because when you go to God, he's going to reveal Jesus' heart to you through the word. And when he reveals Jesus' heart to you through the word, you have the opportunity to see his heart and your heart. And when you see his heart and who God has meant you to be, it just crushes your heart. It crushes the heart that, were, that was defined illegally. Let's put it like that. How many of you seen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie? It's like, put your hand up, man. Movies are okay. Right. 
and, and it's, a, it's a story about Freddie Mercury and, and all his life. And I don't want to get into whether it's right or wrong. But there was something that he was born with. It's called teeth. All of us have it. And he was born with, with four extra teeth at the back. I don't know what they're called, but something like that. Something, four extra teeth. And it made the front of the top of his jaw to protrude out. And he never wanted to deal with his teeth because it gave him an extra vocal range that he could sing better than most average people. He could hit notes that average people could not hit. This is without vocal training, without anything. But all his life, he was ridiculed for his teeth. All his life. Until one day he decided that this thing that God gave me is the very gift. Is the very, this flaw that I have in my life is the very gift that God is going to use to reveal his glory through my life. How many of you have flaws? Some people not putting up their hand. Okay. Praise the Lord. I guess you're perfect. You shouldn't be on the earth. You should be in heaven. How many of you have flaws? Brilliant. Okay, great. Some people are so indignant. They're so arrogant. They don't, they're looking at me and they don't even want to put their hand up. That's okay. It's not a problem. Yeah. We all have flaws. But every flaw is an opportunity for God's glory to shine through your life. But here's the thing though. Here's the thing. God's glory will not shine through it if you don't allow him to deal. So today is the day about dealing. Dealing. You're, you're dealing with your heart today. Don't be so sad. It's, it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. You're going to deal with your heart. So the context of this psalm really is the story of David and Bathsheba. Right? The context. This is the psalm that David wrote when he was in a repentant state with God. The story is like this. One day, the, the Bible says that it was the season when kings used to go out for battle. It was the season. They had a season when they used to have fights. It's amazing, no? And David, instead of being at the battlefield, being the king of Israel, he chose to stay at home. He chose to stay at home because his eyes saw something that distracted him. That's right. He saw, he saw Sheba having a bath. You get it? Some of you are like, I don't get it. But Sheba? He saw, Are Baba. He saw Bathsheba having a bath outside her house. There's a problem with that picture in itself. <laughs> and so the king now, who's high and lifted up in the lofty places of his palace, is standing on top of the palace and he's looking. And he sees Bathsheba having a bath and now he decides, because Bathsheba's husband is on the battlefield, he decides to call Sheba, come, Baba. <laughs> Stop it. And so, and so now when he calls her to, to the palace, he sleeps with her, even though she's not his wife, he sleeps with her, and then she gets pregnant. 
not instantly, but it took some time. So she gets pregnant and now David, first, firstly, he messes around with this woman who's not his wife. You need to understand that David had many wives. Okay? He inherited Saul's wives. According to the Bible, he inherited Saul's wives and he had, God gave him his own wives. Now, the issue is that firstly, he looked at a woman when he had women in his house. He looked at a woman who was another man's wife and he lusted for her and he had her, got her pregnant and now he schemed against the husband and gets him killed. Because she's pregnant and now he needs to cover up his sin. Huh? Cover up his sin. Because he has to cover up his sin, he schemes against the husband, gets him killed and then the Lord now gets upset. God now gets upset. He gets displeased because of what David did. Now I want to I tell you this. Men and women, children, teenagers, all of you. There are certain choices that we make that when we are supposed to be on the right battlefield, we're experiencing defeat on the wrong battlefield. When you understand that God, we are in a battle every day. We wake up into a battle. Right? We're not like, you know, we don't live in a, in a anyway, don't worry about it. We wake up into a battle and every day we're waging a war, but the war we're waging has guaranteed us a victory. But there are certain choices we make that causes us to get onto the wrong battlefield. And there are certain triggers, men and women, there are certain triggers that cause us to sin, that cause us to make choices that lead us down a path to get onto the wrong battlefield. We, if you want to stay away from sin, stay away from the triggers. If you want to stay, if you want to keep your, let there be light. If you want to stay away from sin, please listen to me very carefully. Men and women, whether I'm talking about lust or any temptation, if you want to stay away from that battle, Stay away from the triggers. David's trigger was standing on top of his palace when he should have been at the battlefield. You, need to, you know your trigger. You know that, that when your eye goes on that particular thing and it causes you to fall. It causes you, the Bible says you suffer temptation. It takes you down a path that is not designed by God for victory. You are guaranteed a loss. But you can make a choice to stay away from the triggers. It could be boyfriend. It could be girlfriend. It could be friends. It could be anything computer at a certain time. Am I speaking to someone? Good. Guys are not saying anything. Sometimes it's okay. But the pure in heart will say, yeah, you're speaking to me. I know what you're talking about because I don't suffer from it. But the guilty one will say, if I say yes, am I being exposed? Today's the day for you to be exposed before the Lord. 
you have to expose yourself today to God. Because otherwise, you won't be able to deal with the problem. Do you understand? Stay away from the triggers because the triggers will take you down a pathway that you will not experience the grace of God. The grace of God comes to you on a pathway of righteousness, which means you are right standing with God and it is on that path. He will, he will lead you down that path of righteousness. It may look like the valley of the shadow of death or everything around you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and when that happens... Now he leads you into victory. It's guaranteed victory when you allow the Lord to lead you into battle. Many of us in this room, many of us in the church do not experience a victorious life because we're fighting the wrong battle. Do you understand? Husbands love their wives, but their eyes, the eyes of their mind, Love somebody else's wives. There is no purity. There is no purity in the mind. And because there's no purity in the, in the conscience, in the mind, the love of the wife has been polluted by the love of pornography. And so there's an expectation now. For the wife to do what that, that, that woman does. And because it doesn't happen, a separation. Hello. I told you. I'm gonna, <laughs> it's a good day today, man. It's a good day today. These are, people ask me, why do I speak like this? Because these are problems. These are things that are robbing you of experiencing the blessing. The blessing will stay away from you because it knows you are manifesting the seed of the devil. You understand? Hey, please, somebody in the sound team, fix this problem. Okay? Whatever it is, the clipping, what is it? Okay. Because it's, it's throwing the people off. Have you heard of this term? Fall on the rock and be broken rather than allowing the rock to fall on you and be crushed to pieces. You've heard of that? It speaks about secret issues. Things that only you know. Things that are hidden only in your life. That only God knows and you know. See, please don't think it can be just sexual sin. I'm talking about lust for chocolate cake. Huh? Please, li listen to me. Food. Clothes. Money. Popularity. Presenting. Everybody should see you a certain way. It's, it's, a, it's a pollution that the world has tempted you with. And your heart now has fallen into that trap. And when you fall into that trap, the only way out of that trap is to have 
the truth of God's word shine a light in your heart and reveal the state of your heart. Let me give you an example. Not, not an example. Let me say this to you. It's better that you take your heart and reveal it to God and allow him to deal with it than him dealing with your heart in the public. It's better to be broken and contrite before God than allow God to expose you. Do you understand? Many times people choose to hide in their sin. They choose to hide their secret little dirty little habits, their little mindsets, their little things that they choose to hide it because nobody's watching because they would have a wrong impression of them. Are you listening? But God is looking at your heart. Let me tell you, God's heart for you is so loving. He is so merciful that he wants you to experience, he wants you to experience the blessing of his, of his word more than your experience of sin. Let me repeat that again because some of you are feeling the weight of my word already. God wants you to experience the blessing of his word over your life more than your experience of sin. Let me repeat it again. God wants you to experience. His heart wants you. His love for you is so great that he wants you to experience every word that comes out of his mouth. The fullness of, the, of his blessing. He wants to, you to experience it more than your experience of sin. Because he's got something better for you. He's got something more glorious. He's got something that is, that is beyond anything else. But the position that we need to take before God is a broken and a contrite heart. How do I allow my heart to get broken? It's very simple. I allow the word of God to reveal the heart of Christ. I allow God's word in, in all of its glory to reveal Jesus to me. Not the Jesus that is only, only like being nice, but the Jesus that who is a leader, the Jesus who is a champion, the Jesus who, who, who is pure, the Jesus who loves his bride with purity, the Jesus who, who, who is faithful at his job, the Jesus who is faithful even in suffering. When we have a little bit of suffering, when the things don't go well at work, we run, please, 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 take it away, take it away, take it away. Jesus says, give me that cup. If it brings you glory, let me drink it. I want to suffer for you. To suffer for you is gain. That's what Paul says. To suffer for Jesus is gain. We run from a little problem. We run for, from a little cold. We run from a little doctor's report. We run from it. But Jesus embraces it. And he said, God, this little problem, let me tell you, the little problems in your life exposes the state of your heart. Every time you have a flaw, every time you have a mistake, every time you have a secret thing that, that you do in, in the secret place, every time you swear, every time you lie, every time you cheat, every time you do anything that is not Christ-like, it's an opportunity for you to learn his heart 
a little bit more. But when you learn his heart and you see the purity of his heart, the love in his heart for you, the love how he loves those who hate him. He loves those who curse him. He loves those who slap him on his face. In fact, he gives the other cheek. He loves to give. He loves to bless. And we, and we compare. We need to compare ourselves to Jesus. Not compare ourselves to the person sitting next to us. Not compare, not look at the flaws of the pastor and say, oh, you know, no, I don't want to go to that church because the pastor is flawed. His doctrine is flawed. His theology is flawed. No, no, no. I want to go to a church that is inspiring and that is encouraging and that has a service only for an hour. And there's all these limitations and we wonder why. We wonder why we're not experiencing the blessings and we wonder why we're not being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. See, God's desire for you is to be Christ-like. God's desire for you is to be Christ-like. God's desire for you is to be like Jesus. All of creation is longing for sons who are like the Son. If you want blessings, we say, wow, we, we proclaim these blessings on, on stage now. We proclaim all these blessings. Our business mantle and, and business of the, the, the mantle of supernatural and all the enemies will fall at my feet. Hello. If you're not Christ-like, what enemy will fall at your feet? Just think about it. If you're not being like Jesus to your wife, do you think the enemy is going to look at you and say, Hello, oh, you are all powerful. No, you are not all powerful. You are all weak. Let me take advantage of you. Man, I, I tell you, this word is really going deep into your heart. I can tell you that. And it's okay. It's okay. We thought 2019 was going to be, wow, explosions of glory. It will happen. Explosions of glory happen all around you. But because you're so full of sin, because you're so conscious of the mistake you just made last night, or just the argument that you had just before you came into this room, you will not even experience the glory in the room. And you'll wonder why only Joe and Judy get prophetic word. Why not me? Is there anything wrong with me? Hello, let me, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with you on the outside, but on the inside, the problem is you're not revealing your heart to God. Not to the pastor, please, not to me, not to my wife, go to God. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal really what the junk that's in your trunk, man. Please, let him see the flaws in you. Let him reveal, but when you, when you see those flaws, don't justify. Don't say, no, 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 because I grew up in poverty, Lord, that's why I am poor in my mind. Hello? Huh? You understand what's happening here? Oh, no, Lord, because I, abuse, I was abused as a child, that's why I abuse. Because my father swore at me, that's why I swore. Because my mother was like this. Because my father and mother did this. That's why my marriage is like this. No. If God wanted to deal with your mother and father, he would have. Today he's dealing with you. Are you with me? He's dealing with your heart. He says, man, the scribes and Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs. They look awesome on the outside. Inside, 
full of dead men's bones. Let me tell you something. All of creation is not looking at how good you look. He's not looking at how awesome the church is. Looking at the heart. Looking at your heart. He's looking whether, whether, whether you're standing on stage and preaching the word of the Lord and brother thus says the Lord and there's prophecies and all that stuff happening. Walk off the stage and you're literally like a devil. When you open your mouth, there's deceitfulness coming out of your mouth. There's scheming coming out of your mouth. That's a problem. You go to the office and you're, and you're wondering, why am I not being promoted? Why am I not getting salary increase? Why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? No, no, no. The issue is this. You don't understand that God has given you friends. God has given you a church. God has given you a city. God has given you family. God has given you a husband and a wife. Wait, 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 wait. Let me wait. God has given you a husband and a wife. He's given you a city and a nation. Everything, all these things are channels through which he blesses your life. And if you don't know how to honor the channel through which God blesses you, you will not be able to experience the blessing that God has for your life. If you don't know how to honor your boss at work, in your heart, not outside, not with your flattering tongue, you honor him with your heart. Your boss will listen to the boss. Your honor to your husband, no matter what his flaws are. Your submission and honor to your husband and allowing him to be the head of the house will allow you to experience the blessing of the head of the church. Do you understand? It's a, it's a completely different thing when you allow your heart. I feel like faith is on this side, but there's a little bit of weight on this side. So, I think I'll stand here a little bit. You okay? <laughs> there's faith on that side and then there's weight on this side. I think they're dealing with some stuff. You guys okay? See, every time God deals with something, right? He's, he's revealing your heart in such a way that he wants to restore you. Yeah, he reveals in order to restore. So if he's doing something right now to your heart, just say, God, yes. Don't make excuses. Don't say the pastor did this, the pastor did that. His wife dressed up like this. Her high heels were like that. That's why I got distracted. No, 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 no. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop blaming everything else around you and take responsibility for the choices that you make. You want to be a good, you want good things to happen around you? Be good. If you want everything around you to be a blessing to you, deal with the heart. Because everything around you will only feel blessed. Listen to this. Everything around you will feel blessed from a blessed heart. Yeah. You need to understand that you're the king over your life. You're not the king over your wife. You're the king over your life. You're not the queen over your life. Please, 
You're the king over your life. And while David should have been where kings were, he exposed his army. He exposed his army to the enemy. Please listen to me very carefully. And he was in a place of weakness. And God wanted to rescue Israel. God wanted to bless Israel. But the head, the head was in the wrong place. The heart of Israel was in the wrong place. The heart of Israel was polluted. Every day you're in a battlefield. Your life is a battlefield. Your life is Israel and you're the king of your life. Where are you? God wants to bless you. But he he will bless you and you will be a blessing to your life. You need to get it. You need to get it. You are the king over your life. And unless your heart is in the right place with God, the blessing on you will be a blessing upon your life. You are, your life is at a battlefield. Your job is at a battlefield. Any minute you can lose your job. Any minute. Any minute all that money that you saved up can go. Do you understand? Any minute there can be a car accident. Any minute your car can stop working. Any minute the lights can go out. Any minute your house can fall down. Please listen to me. Any minute the enemy wants to take you out. But the only way you can stay, the only way you can be victorious is if your heart is being dealt with with God. Do you understand? Please listen to me. If your heart is being dealt with by God, every day you're going before God and saying, God, this is my heart. Lord, these are my choices that I make. Lord, and then he reveals Jesus to you. And when he reveals the choices that Jesus would have made, it will crush your heart. It will crush your heart to pieces knowing that you could have made better choices. You could have made better decisions. And if if you think you made better decisions all your life, if you didn't compare yourself to Jesus, that's nothing compared to Jesus. We've got to come into a place, a place where we submit ourselves to God and we choose His will, even when we don't like it, even when we don't agree with it, even when, when when, when I don't see prosperity in that place, Lord, hello, you want me to suffer? Like, I mean, come on, you know, I am the chosen generation. Woo, the royal priesthood, holy nation. Everybody should fall at my feet because when I walk into the room, all the demons will leave. No, 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 no. Please listen to me. All the demons run away from Jesus. And if your heart is not like Jesus, they'll come running to you. Do you understand? You understand? You wonder, oh, then, then, then when things happen in our life, ah, I don't know, man, that pastor preaches around. I don't know. Oh, he's, he's telling, you know, we're in grace now. All uh, sin has been forgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sin has been forgiven. Please understand, salvation is an experience and a work 
of progress. Which means every day I've got to submit my heart to God and say, God, what is the junk in my trunk? God, what is there in my past that I can repent of? See, when, when God sent Nathan the prophet to David, Nathan the prophet exposed him in front of his people. He exposed him. Not that you need to be exposed, but I would suggest you go and expose yourself to God. <laughs> please, please, I beg you as your pastor, do it every day. God, please, I am. Just take your heart. And even if you misunderstand something, go to God and say, God, I misunderstood. Please help me understand. The problem is, we prefer having a relationship with God through the pastor. We must have our own relationship with God. Must have our own. I want to hear God's voice as much as you want to hear God's voice, Pastor. How can you only be the one who has all these encounters and everything? I want to hear. I want to see angels. I want to hear God's voice. I want to go into heaven. I want to see all of that going forward. We see that um, Samuel, no, Nathan the prophet comes and he exposes David. And he says in Samuel chapter 12, 7 to 10, you can read it. He says, God says to Nathan the prophet, he says, I anointed you. I delivered you. I gave you. And if that was too little, I would have given you more. Man, if you wanted a wife, I would have given you a wife. Stop looking at somebody else's wife. Hello. If you want a husband, and if you have one, please deal with your heart. Okay. <laughs> Want the one that you have first. Then we can talk about everything else. But if you don't have a husband and you want one, go to God. Don't look at somebody else's husband. Don't look at a man and say, hmm, potential, huh? Mm. Maybe I will like him on Facebook. And after I like him on Facebook, I'll follow him on Instagram. <laughs> By my submission of following on Instagram, he can be my leader and I can follow him. <laughs> Hello? Man. I have some advice for ladies. If the man doesn't behave like Jesus... If the man doesn't look like Jesus, in the sense that he doesn't represent Jesus to you, run. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Unfollow, unfriend, befriend, do run, run away, run, run. Just run away from the guy. Yeah. Please run away from the man, run to Jesus, okay? Don't run away from everything, run to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. When Nathan came to David and confronted him, David's first response, which will be your response, his first response, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't say, 
I have sinned in front of God. He didn't say, I have sinned against God's people. I didn't sin against the church or my kingdom or, or the money or all that kind of stuff. He says, I sinned against God. Which means there's a, there's a personal relationship between your choices and how God sees them. There's a, there's a personal relationship between you and God that every choice you make impacts your relationship with God. Not the church, not your business, not anything else first. The first thing that you do is that it impacts your relationship with God and God looks at your heart first. And if your heart is deceitful, if your heart is, has scheming in it, if your heart, if you've lied, hello? Li the little ones, not big ones, small. When, when you expose yourself like that, it reveals to God that somebody else is your father. To the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus says this, you are of the seed of Satan, your father. Because they were, they were, in their heart, they had been deceived and they were trying to make Jesus a deceiver. They were trying to portray that he was a deceiver. And Jesus says, no, no. The Bible says, knowing their hearts. God is constantly looking at your heart. And today, when, now, since you've experienced, you've heard all of this stuff, and if you're like, what do I do? How do I change my life? Do, firstly, firstly, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. Take responsibility for the choices you've made. Because at the end of the day, it's you who is making that choice. No, pastor, you don't know, but I'm, I'm hurt because this person said this, and that person said that, and that person did this. Let me, let me trace your answer back. I'm hurt. You made a choice to get hurt. You made a choice to get offended. You made a choice to gossip. You made a choice to backbite. You made a choice to steal. You made a choice to lie. You made a choice to flash the guy from the back with, in your car. <laughs> On the fast lane. You, you were the one who... who, who li listen, I've, I'm seeing something in the spirit and I'm going to describe it. Please don't be condemned, okay? You were the one who decided when you were going to the club that you were going to wear that extra, extra, extra short dress so that you can sit in front of a man with your legs in a funny way so that he can fall for you. Hello. And you were the man who was sitting in that club, looking at her like that. And your eyes caused you to sin. Your heart, it's, like, it's absolutely crazy what happens with the little choices. The little choices that you make. And God is looking at you and going, hello. Hey, who's your daddy? <laughs> huh? Who's your daddy? Who's your father? That's the question. He's asking, who's your father? When you understand in that moment that you wanted to dress the way you wanted to dress, to present yourself in a, in a way that was deceitful, huh? and not honoring. Come on now. Let me tell you something, women. Honoring Dressing in an honoring way is attractive. You don't have to wear all of that. 
to impress somebody. You don't, you don't have to do it. Because if the man has honor in his heart, he doesn't look at what you're wearing. He waits. He waits till the day you put this on. He doesn't need to look at everything on the inside. Trust me. Trust me, it works like that. Oh my gosh, I'm going into marriage. Come away, come away. Stay on the topic, John. Stay on the topic. But this is the topic, isn't it? This is the stuff that we're going through. Man, I'm telling you. If, I'm telling you, if pastors and preachers had the guts to preach this 20 years ago. Today, man, I'm telling you. We would have been a better generation. You know why they never preached it? It's because they didn't have the guts to go before God and say, God, this is my heart. I am a sinner. God, I need you. Let me tell you something. Nobody is perfect. I will preach this sermon, get off the stage and say something to you that you might get offended. But my heart is not offended. But it will expose your heart. And you will walk away and I was like, oh man, the guy, he said this to me. I was like, oh, you're like, well, how do I deal with this? Like, oh my God. And then you're pacing around your room like that and you're fasting and you're praying and you're like, God, deal with the pain. God, deal with the pain. God, deal with the pastor. Deal with the pastor, God. Deal with the pastor. Deal with him. Struck him. God, strike his heart, Lord. <laughs> we have all these prayers and God's like, I'm not going to do squat. Let me deal with you first. We want everybody to change. God wants you to change first. We want to change the world. We're global transformation. <laughs> global transformation. Just change the globe of your heart first. Is this helping? Helping? Helping. Yeah. Truth never condemns. Truth exposes for restoration. If you are struggling, whatever it is, man, I'm telling you, it's not foreign to God. You're not going to surprise God with the state of your heart, please. No, you're not. He's not going to press a dislike button. Hello. He's not going to do that. You can't surprise him. He knows everything. Let me tell you something. The state of his knowledge is he knows exactly what Every cell in your body is conscious of. At any point in time, you ask him, what am I thinking, God? And he'll tell you. Do you understand? He's a great God. He's a marvelous God. You okay? But what happened to David? What made him repent was the word. What made him change his attitude was the word. When the prophetic word came, hello, when the prophetic word came, he caused him to say, God, I have sinned against you. He sinned against a woman. He sinned against her husband. He sinned against his nation. But he said, God, I've sinned against you. You might be sitting in this room today, if you're a husband or a wife, you've had issues with lust or finances or whatever the issue is, you might think, I have sinned against my wife or my husband. I want to tell you something. You've sinned against God. Whatever it is, even if it's simple things like lying, 
denying the truth. Whatever it is. Just not being a good friend. <laughs> Simple things like that. Just not being a good friend. Being envious of people. Simple, simple, simple things. We try to do the big things. Let's do the simple things first. Get the simple things down. Don't fight against God. You'll never win. Don't fight against the truth because it's exposing your weakness. That is a good word. Go to 2 Corinthians. I'm not done yet. <laughs> it gets better from here. It gets better. Trust me. I needed to show you your heart so that we can do something about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Are you there? From verse 8. I'm going to read in the NIV version because it's simpler. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church saying, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Man, I'm telling you, this is the day. <laughs> Come on, man. Right? So when he says letter, he's talking about the word. Okay. So his letter was a message that was preached. But it came in the letter form. Today, God is not using Nathan the prophet. Verse 8, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. Come on. Come on, man. For you became sorrowful as God intended. Hello. Oh my gosh. For you became sorrowful as God intended and, you, and so were not harmed in any way by us. I'm washing my hands off. <laughs> Verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Pretty deep, isn't it? That's why I had to read in the NIV. Because when I read it in the, the New King James Version, I, I was like, what on earth is he talking about? You don't understand, Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church because he goes to preach in the Corinthian church and after he preaches and he leaves, some other fake apostles, false apostles go, are invited to the church and, and they begin to preach against Paul. They preach a word that challenges Paul's integrity and his character. Do you understand what's happening? And so now, there's discord in, in the church. So Paul goes back to Corinth to preach. He doesn't know what's happening. He goes back to Corinth to preach and there's a riot that takes place. There's a riot literally in the church. People are fighting with one another, supporting Paul and not supporting Paul. 
So Paul leaves with a broken heart and he writes a letter. He says a severe letter to the Corinthian church. And when he writes the letter, he's worried now. Have I, have I preached like after today? Have I preached a severe word to our people? Did the hammer fall or the sword? And so Paul is in this situation and he's waiting for someone to come and tell him the news of what has happened because of the word. So whoever comes to him tells him, hey man, they received the word really well. Because the word exposed the state of their heart. The word exposed the deceit that they embraced. And that word, like Paul writes another, this is the second letter he's writing now. He writes this letter to the church and he says, wow, I'm glad that you're sorrowful. But that sorrow is godly sorrow. This heaviness that you're feeling right now, like you're feeling like, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not good enough, God. I've tried, I'm not good enough. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have the mistakes that you made and right now being exposed it being exposed and the and the brokenness and the and the and, the, and this feeling that you're having right now when you can't escape i can't escape i feel like i'm exposed in front of god right now it's a good feeling because it's sorrow godly sorrow that leads to repentance When your heart is exposed before God and there's real sorrow, godly sorrow, it's like you, like David, it's like you're, you're broken and your heart is contrite before God. It's like shattered. I can't find myself anymore, God. I don't know who I am. I don't know why I made these mistakes. I don't know why I keep doing these things, God. It is in that place of repentance where you take responsibility. Yes, God. I was the one who lied. I was the one who cheated. I was the one who looked at pornography. I was the one who went and smoked that cigarette. I was the one who gave in to my friends where we went to go drink alcohol. I was the one who, who gave in to temptation and slept around. I was the one who was, who, was, who was late to work and I was speeding down the road and I was flashing people and abusing them. I was the one. I was the one, Lord. I was the one who came into church and got offended with the pastor's shirt. I was the one, I was the one God who because of my, because of the old school mindset, I don't understand why he has to wear those jeans God, I don't understand I was the one who got offended am I speaking to someone, this is the stuff that really takes you away, I was the one who came and I got offended with the church because the AC was too cold the music was too loud, the drummer is bald <laughs> Why? 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 Why is there a black box at the back over there, God? Why is he wearing a pink shirt? Hmm? Why can't these people be normal? I want normal church, normal church. Yeah, 
I want a church that is quiet, holy. But the women cover their head in holiness. This stuff is rubbish in the heart. That causes you to stray away from what God wants to give you. When you come into a place like this where, where he exposes the junk in your heart, just say, God, I don't fully understand it. But I repent because I sinned against you. See, sin does not have to be sexual all the time. Sin can, every little thought that is not God's thoughts, that is not according to the, listen to me, that is not according to the nature of Christ can lead you away from God. God's heart for you is for you to talk like Christ, to walk like Christ, to have the authority that Christ has. Man, I'm telling you, when you, when you repent, when you just say, God, it's me, I did it, God. Lord, I was the one who misunderstood him. I was the one who misunderstood their actions. I was the one. I was the one who got offended, God. When you come into a place like that, he reveals salvation. See, salvation is not the only day when you put your hand up and give your life to Jesus. Oh, hello, hello. No, 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 no. Every minute of the day. Every thought in your mind can be saved. Every thought in your mind gives you an opportunity for salvation. What is salvation? He's saving you from death into life. From a thought that, that, is, that is causing you to experience death. To make choices that are, that are dead works. Paul talks about his, his being saved from dead works. Come on, man. It's in that place where you take responsibility for the dead choices that he reveals Christ's choices to you. Christ left heaven, came down as a man so that he could die as you on that cross. And when you, in that thought, just listen to me. Let's say, let's say for example, you, had a, you just lied. You just lied to your boss about your sales figures, for example. You just lied to your boss and you walked away and you have a lifestyle of saying, God, my heart, every day, my heart, God, my heart before you. I want my heart to be pure. And he says, hey, you saw that thing that you did? You were afraid of your boss and what he might say and you lied. And you say, God, I lied. I'm sorry. I did not trust you. Pastor, my husband is treating me really badly. He's telling me not to come to church anymore. God is telling you, come to church. And you in fear of your friends, in fear of your, of your husband, stay at home. And you have a heavy heart. You don't know what it is. And, but if you have the lifestyle, of brokenness and being contrite before God. Now, you present your heart to him and he says, Hey, trust me with your husband. Trust me with your wife. 
Trust me with the economy. Trust me with your business. Trust me with your friends. Trust me with your children. Trust me. Trust me. I have made a way for you. I have made a, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Trust me. This obstacle is just a channel through which I want to bless you. It's only when you choose to put complete faith in Him and say, God, even if everybody leaves me, I will not leave you. If everybody disowns me, God, I choose to trust you. Listen, I've been disowned. I've been rejected. I've been thrown out. I've been called rubbish. I've been accused of things falsely. But I never made an excuse. My wife and I would go before God. Say, God, you know my heart. You see my heart, God. I just want to do what you want me to do. But I expose my heart if there's offense that I've taken against these people who have done wrong to me. If there's offense in my heart, God, I ask you to deal with it. Every day, five times a day, six times a day, it's a lifestyle of brokenness. A lifestyle of being contrite before God. Lord, I don't want to be exposed. I expose my heart to you. It's in places like this that trust grows. It's where he learns to trust you. It's where you learn to trust him for everything that you do. I've gone before God and said, God, I've gotten offended. I've gotten offended with what my wife said. I've gotten offended with my boss said. I've got offended. One day I was driving the car and a guy showed me his finger, middle finger. I got so offended. But while I was driving the car, I said, why are you offended? I said, God, he's showing me his finger. <laughs> exactly. It's so hilarious. That God started laughing at me. He says, son, who told you your finger's bad? <laughs> no, but Lord, you know what it means. He said, no. <laughs> really? He said, no. That's not my definition of your finger. You see, you see how he took something that was polluting my heart. He just, he just made me clean it's the simple simple things simple things it's the simple things broken and a contrite heart that is what God is attracted to he's not attracted to how fancy John preaches and how what how what kind where he gets his shoes from and all that kind, nothing 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 he's not impressed by it because he has way better stuff what he's impressed with is the guts 
of a human being that stands before him and says, I'm not perfect. The guts that says, God, I need you. I need you, God. I've, not, I've never been perfect all my life. Everything my, my family told me I was not good enough. Trust me, I'm telling you. People have told me I'm not good enough. I will never do anything good in my life. The only thing I wake up thinking these days is how can I do good for people? I don't even want anything like have money or wealth or all of that. I just want to have wealth so I can give it to people. So I can help people. Do you understand? I live for the kingdom. I live, my wife and I, we live to, to bless people. Why? It's because I've allowed my heart to be blessed. Blessed by the word that comes out of his mouth. I have such an intimate relationship. My wife and I have such an intimate relationship with God that our intimacy with God is so transferred to our intimacy with one another. The same way that I am with God, I sit with my wife and I say, love, this is what happened in the office today and this is what my response was. And then my wife says, sweetheart, that look that you gave, the way you looked at the phone, when that person rang. She does exactly what God does. Do you understand? Do you understand? This is what real true marriage is like. We help each other clean our heart before God. We go before God and we say, God, I've messed up, man. I've messed up. And David is saying in, his, in Psalm 51, he's saying, you don't desire sacrifice because if you did, I would have given it to you. So we think we come to church and we've had this hidden thing in our lives and we come to church and we put our hand up. Why? Because it's a sacrifice of praise, right? We give money in, in the offering and we think that, oh, I'm giving to God. Maybe it'll appease for my little sin. And I'll go to life group and, I, and I'll do this and I'll say amen to every word and I'll do all that kind of stuff. But that's the sacrifice that God doesn't want. What he wants is the sacrifice of brokenness and being contrite before him. Let me tell you something. The reason why I'm preaching this word is only because your future is greater than your past. If you embrace a greater future, You've got to allow God to cleanse a weaker past. You've got to allow it. You've got to allow. Man, I'm telling you, when I allowed God to clean my heart, things that people said five years ago, things that people said three years ago, I don't remember. Let me tell you, if you create a culture, you create a lifestyle of going to God every day, every minute of the day, just saying, God, is my heart okay? God, is my heart okay? God, are you okay with my heart? Is my heart like Christ? Did I respond the right way, God? Am I'm learning. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be like Jesus. Am I being like Jesus to my wife? Am I being like Jesus to the church? Am I being like Jesus to my friends? Am I being like Jesus to my boss? Lord, if, if it's not, tell me. And have the guts to hear the truth. 
have the guts to deal with it. Because I'm telling you, nobody else will do it for you. No one else will come and will deal with your heart except the one who owns your heart. lifestyle of a modern Christian I call you modern Christian because we're not trying to be like the old Christians, we're way better the lifestyle of a modern Christian is not defined by miracle signs and wonders a modern day Christian is defined by Christ likeness it's defined is defined by brokenness. It's defined by you having a broken heart before God. When you have a broken heart, you experience repentance. When you experience repentance, Jesus says, unless you repent, you will not be saved. So be quick to repent. Don't be quick to give excuses. Repent. You know, you know you've done that. You know you've harbored insecurity. Own up to it. And when you do it, my God, He will come and He will save you out of that pit. He will come and He will heal your heart. He will come and He will restore your heart. He will come and He will remove every lie that you ever believed. And He will give you His heart till the next day but here's the joy of salvation the reason why we experience joy is because when God heals your heart he also puts in it a hatred for sin do you understand if you used to gossip before if you used to backbite before and you go before God and you say, God, I've entertained gossip and I've gossiped. I'm, this is my mistake. I've spoken against people, God. Lord, I, I confess, I repent before you. He would take that repentance and he will allow you to feel salvation. And what he does is he takes you and he blinds you from the triggers. Oh, there we go. The triggers that trigger you all the time. He says, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your arm causes you to sin, pluck it. What is he trying to say? Don't cut your hand and pull your eye out. He's, what he's trying to say is avoid the triggers. So he removes you from the triggers. He, he makes your friends who used to want to drink with you hate you. You're a Christian now all of a sudden. Like what? You're Holy Joe? Not, not this Joe, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, but you're Holy Joe. <laughs> Holy Joe and Holy Judy. And all of a sudden now your relatives don't like you. And your, your family members don't like you. And your friends don't like you. And your co-workers don't like you. What was he trying to do? He's taking away the triggers. Triggers. He's taking away the triggers. 
And if you allow yourself to stay away from that for a month, two months, three months, there will come a point in time where you won't even know how to gossip. Because every time you will see gossip in the future, there will be such a hatred for it that you will just stay away from it. It's the same thing with sexual sin. It's the same thing with pornography. It's the same. It's the same thing with smoking cigarettes, alcohol, the whole works. All of it. I'm telling you some of the most profound revelation that I've preached from this pulpit has come when I've been walking my dogs. But it's this, it's this place of holding my dogs, pulling, people who know my dogs, they, they know what I'm talking about. So pulling is like flesh. I want to get into the flesh with the dogs, you know, do something to them because he's yanking me at this excitement. But in that moment, just walking my dogs, they're saying, God, how amazing it is for me to live this life. How amazing it is that I can be in your presence walking my dogs and you know every thought that goes through my mind. How amazing it is that I can, I can stand here guilt-free, Lord. Is there anything in me? Is there anything, Lord, that you want to deal with? I want you to deal with my heart, God. I don't want to present, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to embarrass your choice, God. You chose me to be a pastor. You chose me to be a leader over people. You chose me to serve people. You chose me to be a manager over my accounts. Manager over salespeople. God, you chose me. I don't want to embarrass your choice. See, the thing that displeased God with David was he, that, that, that Nathan said that the ones who hate God are blaspheming him. See, listen. God doesn't get affected. Your testimony does. When you have to stand up and testify of God's goodness in your life, they're going to go, that guy, I know him. His heart is not in the right place. So which means what he's talking about is not right. Even if it is the truth, they will reject it. On the account of your heart. Oh, man. Are you guys okay? It's a very real word. And we, we must come into this place where we, we're not focused on other people. Please, I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about other churches. I'm talking about us. You have to learn to take the word for yourself. Don't take the word for your husband. Please. Nothing will happen. Take the word for yourself. When people, husbands and wives, wives come to me and say, Pastor, please pray for my husband. I'm like, can I pray for you? I'd like to pray for you. If I pray for you and you get fixed, everything else will get fixed. The husband is manifesting only because there's something wrong. Don't be embarrassed of your Jesus in the public. Don't be embarrassed of him. Don't be embarrassed to call yourself a Christian. 
Don't be embarrassed of the process of salvation. If yesterday you did something and today you repented for it, don't be embarrassed. If the world knows about it, who cares? What matters is how God sees your heart. Let's stand up. Let's stand up.